Kiaudana, Koleria Lewisteya. This is Pacific Waves. Akarongo mai. Coming up. The Immigration Department, shame on you. A Tongan community leader in Aotearoa has labelled revelations the New Zealand government still conducts dawn raids a complete betrayal. And. He was this staunch critic of former Prime Minister Peter O'Neill. Papua New Guinea's suspended Immigration Minister Brian Kramer has been dismissed from office and then later on... My dream is for our people to be equal opportunities as everyone else. There is celebration across Niue as the nation welcomes newcomers onto the political stage. But first, dramatic change is on its way for French Polynesia. After the pro-independence Tavini Huiratira party won the elections, it set the stage for Moitai Brotherson to become the next president. Walter's wife looked at the significance of the victory with Don Wiseman. Well, it's the first time in 10 years, the last time a so-called pro-independence government was in place was um, between 2011 and 2013. What happened in uh, yesterday's election was that the Tavini Huiratira party, led by Oscar Temaru, won an absolute majority. It won 38 out of the 57 seats in the assembly. The result is so overwhelming because of the electoral system, which gives the list that comes first a third of all seats as a bonus, which means that the Timaru party won 19 seats because it came first, and then the rest of the seats were distributed according to the strength of the results. So it is an emphatic win for the party of Oscar Timaru, although it did not win an absolute majority of the votes. It won 44%, while the former ruling party, the Tapura Huiratira, won 38.5%. And a new leader? Will A new leader will be elected uh, in the next couple of weeks. The new assembly will have to be called and then first elect the president of the assembly, which is a position considered to be the second most important in the French Polynesian political system. And then the assembly will elect the president. Given this overwhelming majority of the Tavini and this new assembly, it is certain that it will be uh, Moetai Brotherson, who is going to be the next president. He's already been chosen as the candidate of the Tavidi party and not Oscar Temaru, although Oscar Temaru is the party leader. And although Oscar Temaru was the number one politician on the electoral list going into this election, the candidate for the other side will be again Edward Fritsch, who has been president since 2014. But obviously with the figures in the assembly now, there's no chance that he can be re-elected. Yes, and this move to Mortai Brotherson is very significant because it's it's a new generation. Yes, it is. Uh, Mortai Brotherson is in his early 50s, uh, Edward Fritsch is early 70s, Oscar Temaru late 70s, and the big political figure still in the background, Gaston Floss in his early 90s. He tried to be back in the assembly, but of course couldn't stand because he's got so many corruption convictions barring him from holding political office that he could not contest. He tried to get back in by having a coalition of his party with the Fritsch party, but that coalition didn't work in the sense that his party has not made any major re-entry into the assembly. But we are looking at the generational change here. We also have to note that, for example, uh, the youngest ever 
member of the French National Assembly, Lugaic, has also been chosen as a member of the French Polynesian Assembly. This is someone who's in his early 20s. Uh, we can see that there is a new generation coming along, uh, carried with this wave of the Tavini success we've had uh, yesterday. So what does it mean for French Polynesia? In the first round, it means stable government for five years. The, this overwhelming majority made possible by this bonus means that there can't be any challenge to the new team coming in. The new team will try to pursue the pro-independence agenda as one of the elements uh, of its program. It will be a, a, a slow and moderate uh, approach, I would say. Moita Brotherson has always said though, that he wants to have a dialogue with Paris, a dialogue that Paris has basically refused to enter. Keep in mind that in 2013, French Polynesia was put on the UN decolonization list by the UN General Assembly. France did not acknowledge this and France has shied away from any meetings at the UN decolonization meeting in New York, basically because it, it says that it's an interference into France's affairs to put French Polynesia onto this list. Now, the situation has changed. Moita Brotherson has a majority. He has also uh, the, the standing now as the president of French Polynesia to take his message or his program into the international arena, into the Pacific Islands Forum. He says what he wants with France is a dialogue. He wants to have mutual respect. There are, of course, many issues that need to be revisited. The nuclear legacy, which is something that is poisoning French Polynesian politics for decades now that will have to probably be brought back into the international arena, uh, seeing what sort of compensation France can offer. Although steps have been taken to address this, it's, it is still something that is not fully resolved. Uh, another key point is that French Polynesia's pro-independence movement has always insisted that the natural resources, that is the seabed, the sea, that is property of the indigenous people and should not be something that could be considered by France to be its domain. So these are big issues that will come to the fore over the next little while when the Brotherson government is in place. A Tongan community leader is appalled and disgusted at the revelation the New Zealand government still conducts dawn raids. It follows the detention of a Pacifica man in South Auckland. Immigration says there have been more than one dozen dawn raids to arrest overstayers between last July and April this year. I spoke with Pakilao Manase Lua, who believes immigration should be ashamed. Absolutely appalled and disgusted by this. You know, it's something that we thought were those days were over, but apparently it's back again. And um, you know, our people are being, you know, sadly this is a common uh, case. Uh, we were targeted in the security disproportionately higher than any other group. And again, it looks like they're targeting our Tongan community again. And the irony is that the deputy prime minister wasn't Tonga; she's Tongan. And while she was in Tonga, they were raiding her own people here. It's high time the government stops looking at things and stops asking questions but acting. We need action. The time for asking questions and, and listening uh, is over. We need action. And the, and the Pacific community in particular are up in arms at this. You know, We thought that this was all over. No more dawn raids, given the apology. And uh, this is a complete betrayal of our community. It needs to stop, do something, 
Don't just sit there and watch as history unfolds. When the current Prime Minister got into power, I asked him whether or not he will look into the petition that you've been, I guess, pushing. And he said he would look into it. Are you concerned that the government's just paying lip service on these issues? Absolutely. At at, at the moment, they've done nothing, so it's all lip service. And what the sad thing is, our Pacifica communities are so loyal, they... The, the, our people are the ones who vote Labour in. You know, Labour needs to remember that it's it's these mums and dads and the daughters of the Pacific, the sons of the Pacific, who put them there to help our people. Here, here they are again, talking the talk and not actually doing anything about a, a huge problem that they actually apologised for, not just um, recently, uh, less than two years ago. You know, what was that apology all about? What do you think it was all about now? It was all for show. Sadly, you know, it was a good thing to do the apology, but if it had come with a pathway to residency and an actual amnesty at least, then that would have been more substantial and people would have known that they were more serious about the issue. But because it was just more words and a few scholarships, that's, 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 not, um, that's not being sorry. And this is this is evidence that they were never really sorry about the thing it's occurring. In fact, it, it has been occurring since um, the lockdown, for all we know. So it's been happening over and over again. We know 18 cases of people being dawn raided, and the Deputy Prime Minister said that 3% of cases get dawn raided. So 3%, if that's 18 people, they're clearly... Um, still deporting more more people than the 3% that they're, they're saying. There's 18 people that um, have been dawn raided. So someone needs to look into this. And the immigration department, shame on you. Papua New Guinea suspended Immigration Minister Brian Kramer has been dismissed from office following a leadership tribunal inquiry into charges of misconduct. Kramer, the member of the Mandang Open, says he is working on an appeal. Don Wiseman spoke with our correspondent in PNG, Scott Wyder, about the latest developments. He was suspended and then recommended for dismissal by the tribunal. So that's, uh, I guess, as you said, very significant decision that's been made. Now, the implications are wide-ranging, and particularly uh, in relation to the use of Facebook uh, and social media on, on political matters and matters that are usually kept in the confines of parliament and how that interacts with the judiciary. So I guess the judiciary have made an example of Kramer by going after him in, in, in this case and regarding his posts targeting the judiciary. What specifically was he saying in these posts? The one that stands out that uh, I think in my in my view got him into trouble is his accusation of Peter O'Neill, former Prime Minister, and his lawyer saying that they were soliciting assistance from the Chief Justice and that they had submitted fabricated documents to mislead the court and that the warrant of arrest against Peter O'Neill was defective. Now, the judiciary has come back hard on this claim. There were also other charges that he had made illegal appointments within the District Development Authority Board. And so all of that put together has brought him to this recommendation for dismissal. All right, and that's been taken up, so he's 
out of Parliament. His political career is over, I guess, is it? Pretty much so. The final decision will have to be made by the Speaker in Parliament because the recommendations have gone to Parliament, uh, the Parliamentary Speaker, for that decision to be made. It's a significant blow to Kramer's political career. He has said that he will file for an appeal to challenge that decision. Realistically speaking, it could take him until the elections or at least a year near the election. So it's going to be a long, hard fight. And uh, he's long been at loggerheads with former Prime Minister Peter O'Neill. Yes, there have been arch rivals even before he entered into politics. So he's had this campaign ongoing on Facebook, and then he went into Parliament. That continued both on Facebook, outside of Parliament, and within Parliament. So he was this staunch critic of former Prime Minister Peter O'Neill, well, former Prime Minister now, but uh, during his term as Prime Minister, uh, Brian Kramer was his arts rival in Parliament. So he's the MP for Medang, the Medang open seats. What happens to those tens of thousands of voters? Yeah, so as I I stated earlier, the the implications are wide-ranging. The MP is also the chairman of the District Development Authority, and that means that the people of Medang haven't been represented in Parliament since his suspension. The next generation of politicians in Niue is set to have a seat at the table. Emani Fakaosi Manava Louis is one of them. He's the son of former Niue Premier Frank Fakaosi Manava Louis, who was in Parliament at its inception in 1974 when the island was granted self governance by New Zealand. His son Emani has been carving out his own legacy in the tech space for more than two decades as the owner of the first. Pacific-owned internet service provider in Aotearoa. I spoke with him not long after he found out he would now be taking on a new challenge in Parliament. The reaction for the family were, wow, amazing, and then we all sat down. Uh, we did a hymn and then a prayer, and yeah, then everyone got up and had some bubbies and uh, just uh, a toast. And then people started arriving. So, yes, it was a, a very exciting moment for the whole family, I guess. What are your dreams for New Air? Uh, my dream is for our people to be uh, equal opportunities as everyone else. Uh, way back in the uh, late 90s, I was asking other platforms and forums that people on our island should have internet the same as uh, those people in in the middle of New York, the middle of Auckland, um, Sydney, we shouldn't have to think and and pay for more than what they actually use. Uh, Way back then, we were paying uh, huge amounts of money just to get access, and it was very minimal. So to be able to be on this opportunity now to share the, the connectivity that is similar to what you know, all those uh, big states and cities are on. Uh, that's my dream is to, to provide those opportunities for our young people mm-hmm. to see the world as it is, not not just having to leave the, the small island. Just to make things a little bit better on the things that everyone else has seen that needs, uh, you know, a bit more time and, and effort into it. What are those, those things? Uh, probably the main things on people's minds is infrastructure, knowing that the roads are being looked at by our partners with uh, China, as well as mm. what we need to look at most is uh, the power that's uh, regularly not not you know 100% at times. Um, just 
a whole lot of issues there that we have uh, possibly look at what the water is like uh, in terms of contamination at uh, sometimes now we're having filtered water so it's just just trying to make it easier and comfortable for people to live as well as return back home yes and you've already done quite a lot of work trying to make your homeland a place where the next generation mm. have businesses can thrive and can create a future and tell me about that and and what you have done to try and make that a possibility for the next generation in terms of connectivity uh, i've been in the space of uh, uh, providing internet services to our people since uh, 1999 so it's over tw uh, two de decades of uh, work in that uh, sphere so it's it's a great opportunity for young people to start themselves from not just the education and research but also possibly looking at uh, business uh, making extra income uh, for their families as well but appreciate the time and effort from all of our people that have supported us along the way as well so uh, looking forward to continue that and, and put in some you know advice and, and ideas into government on how it could be done better as well and and move with the times so yeah definitely looking forward were there certain aspects that you believe were stuck in the past or what do you mean by move with the times what ideas do you have well, if we, if we look at how online opportunities have come about, uh, not just for certain people, but also for organisations and uh, possibly governments uh, looking into it, um, they, I don't think that we are capitalising as much as possible on that. Um, so those are some of the thoughts that, that I'll be bringing um, to the House and, and offering those uh, opportunities as well to see if there's any kind of uptake. But uh, it definitely, you know, our island would do well to benefit from those and not just to rely solely on, on the traditional pathways of uh, uh, looking at making money just for the country, but also for the people itself. Uh, tourism has been hit hard by uh, as as probably as other countries uh, with the recent, uh, you know, pandemic. So looking at ideas on how to be more resilient on, on a small, very small island. What portfolio would you like? Uh, let's just say that, you know, there's, uh, I'm always open to opportunities. Uh, I'm never one to shy away from it. So whatever comes our way, uh, we will deal with it uh, at that time. But our focus was solely just to be able to be a voice, uh, and that, that has been uh, achieved. So we're quite happy with that. And knowing that a lot of people spoke to, you know, to myself prior to this year, uh, on being a representative for them inside the house. So just thankful for the people for their uh, kind words. Was this anything else that you wanted to highlight or tell people at this time? Yeah, I'd just like to uh, put it back that, you know, um, this is a journey that, that has come of, around a, a long time, years in the making, uh, understanding my my family's uh, role in, in the political scene here on New Year with my dad. And uh, just be thankful to also to my wife and the children, uh, my immediate family, their support, as well as the people of New Year who have put their faith in, in, you know, selecting myself to be inside as a voice for them. Um, taking note as well to those other villages that have um, selected myself, but more so to the main village of uh, Alofi South, who came through on the last minute. So I was seventh just before the, the largest village came 
came through with their numbers. So I jumped from seventh to second with their large votes. So I'm, I'm just uh, very thankful that uh, they have remembered, uh, you know, all the good things that I may have uh, done for them, as well as the families that have backed me uh, all throughout the time. So friends and families, uh, being thankful and also remembering our God in heaven. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Imani, and all of our guests. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs, or you can download us on Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. From myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, kia manuia.